and go live. Here we go. I think we're good to go now. Oh, what a long day. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for joining my 86th episode of the Beast Mode Tech Tuesday. And forgive me for being toddy. I shouldn't make a habit of this. Um, I was working on that Odyssey right there. As you can see, the front face here is a little bit different. And it delayed me significantly. So good afternoon, everyone. Hello, AJ. Good afternoon, Olympic Next Door. For those of you on YouTube, thank you so much for joining us here on the Beast Mode Tech Tuesday. And I really appreciate all of your subscriptions, kind words, and support. NYC Alive, hello, good seeing you. I am doing well, Evans. Hope you're doing great. Boosted S2K21, good, good seeing you. AJ, hello, sir, once again. What up, Boosted? What's wrong with the van? Nothing's wrong. So, um, Kevin, tomorrow we're filming something really special with the van. And if you can see on the lift right there, there is the center seat Porsche. We are going to do a filming tomorrow, and um, I got uh, some insight from our friends at American Honda, and they were kind of a little upset with me that the van has existed all this time without a logo on the front. So the front face here, uh, Randy was kind enough to help us at the paint shop get that going. And then I modified it further to fit properly, so we probably have to trim that a little bit better, make it look a little prettier. So that's about it. Yes, it's Tech Tuesday, Dark EJ1. Thank you so much for the kind words, Jeffrey Mack. I appreciate that indeed. And it's so good to see all of you this afternoon. And, you know, people ask me, why do I do this? I start off with answering questions that we got so often. I said, why not create a forum where people can really um, learn from each other and I can take technology that many times us engineers speak above the crowd and bring it down to the basics so that the layman or lay lady or lay woman could understand. Um, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And one other thing that really is near and dear to my heart, and I talk about this almost every Tech Tuesday, is for all of us to always be that person we needed when we were younger. And that's what I want to do, to provide that insight where I would have been much further ahead than I am today if I had an opportunity to learn from someone like myself when I was younger. So I want to be able to provide that, you know. Um, there's a guy hitting on my girl looks just like me. Oh, no, I'm, I'm a very proper person. I don't hit at other people's girls. Um, hi, Club 5500. Good seeing you indeed. Um, yes, I do, Kevin. It's important. Many of my peers derive pleasure, and AJ, you're not one of them, but many of my peers derive pleasure in using engineering jargon to come across as being extremely bright or intelligent and speak over the audience, and I'm not interested in doing that. When I explain engineering concepts, sometimes I've used analogies, something as simple as cooking or being a whore <laughs> or whatever the case may be, to really help, you know, which is pretty nice, you know? So that being said, um, let's see. Uh, hello, Art, the dude, good seeing you. Plus, minus, good seeing you. And I promise you guys today to talk to you about something extremely important, and that's tuning. So I showed a video this morning of one of the RWBs that we put together um, on the dyno, and I want to really explain the, the importance of tuning. This is the ECU that I use. AJ has this very same unit, an AM Infinity in his own car. And this is the brain of any setup. Now, guys, I know it's not very glamorous because you don't see it. It's not like wheels or paint jobs or an engine bay with a wire tuck. I know it's not that appealing, but it's almost akin to working out so well. You work out, you have this great bod, and you are just, just ripped and shredded, but the brain is like rubbish. This is the brain of a setup. You can choose the best parts in the world. You can even have a stock engine. But if your ECU, your control of fuel and ignition and, and timing and accuracy is not there, you can easily expire engine. If you give your tuner 
the tools that don't allow him or her to do the best job in tuning, it's rubbish. You can come out with a messed up tune or something without the proper fail-safes in place. So it's very important to use a tuning solution that's very, very ideal. And I love the AM Infinity because it, it gives me all the features I'd want. Um, it has a built-in controller, so I don't have to worry about external wideband. It gives me a closed loop for wideband function. It gives me the ability to monitor knock for each cylinder and address it accordingly. And that's important for safety. So if your ignition goes awry or you have a bad batch of fuel or a really hot day and one cylinder is knocking, this can add fuel and retard timing to keep that cylinder safe. Hello, Island Soul. Yes, it has been long. Uli, good seeing you. Hello as well. And to help as well, Kevin, you're intimate with this. This is a jumper harness. I think you have this as well, AJ, in your Integra. This particular system does a very easy job of just connecting directly, plugging into the ECU. So it's very simple on how it connects. And um, with this connection, you can easily just have the Infinity, which is a universal unit, and directly plug into your, in this case, an OBD-1 setup. So you have all the OBD-1 cool stuff going on. You have the built-in relay. It has an expansion net so you can, expansion, so you can be able to add flex fuel and all kind of cool stuff. You can flash it, it has its own lambda, it's really cool. And if you have individual coils, it has that capability as well. So it makes everything more of a plug and play opportunity for you. Um, so, oh dirty, I like both systems and both can be good, but one is a brand new ECU and the other one is an elegant hack into a factory system. So that being said, whenever you can have an opportunity to use a standalone, it allows me to do individual coil tuning so I can play around with dwell. I can monitor individual cylinders for knock, as I mentioned earlier, and put in a closed loop setup. And that allows me the opportunity to do wonderful things for reliability, which is, oh no, let me take a step back. For those of you who have been on my Tech Tuesday for a long time, you know that I love power, right? So I have a 300,000 horsepower Odyssey. I have a ridiculous Wagaman hovering almost close to 800 wheel. I have the 500 horsepower push the pass Porsche. There's, dude, there's a Viper right here next to my inside. It's 400 on motor. I'm big on power, but power is rubbish. It's nothing without reliability. So reliability is extremely important to me. And the one thing that allows me to be reliable is first choosing great components. Above and beyond choosing great components, I have to have the opportunity to use the engine management solution that's extremely ideal and to protect the engine with lubricants that can keep me lubricated and also extremely reliable so I don't throw bearings and I have problems with wearing my camshafts. And if I use exotic fuels like E85 or methanol, I can still stay safe. So that's extremely important. Safety is paramount. Why spend thousands? And guys, all of us do this, right? We spend thousands of dollars in our setup, whether it's a roadway setup that we perfect because with factory blueprinted components or it's a full all-out crazy passion build with over 200 horsepower per cylinder and it's wonderful but what do you do to keep that thing running for a long time built this van right in 2013 it's been in the hands of so many media individuals um mike uh, mike um uh sorry matt farrah um spike ferencen rutledge it's been on top gear it's been on pike's peak it's been down there it's been on, on car matchmaker, it's been on fastest car, it's going on another, you know, it's going to the racetrack tomorrow. Think about it, guys. It's the original engine that we built in 2013. It's had tens of thousands of miles, tons of mashing out, tons of burnouts, just beat up in it, and it's still going because I used the right components. That's the reason why. Yes, Olympic, the, if you take a look at the Top Gear episode um, with this particular van, it went to PPIR and went on Pikes Peak all the way to the summit. How great is that? And what's so cool about that is, you know, running the same infinity on this on Pikes Peak, 
while the Mercedes that was in the show and the Porsche that was in the show had a hard time starting at 26,000 feet at close to, God, 38 degrees Fahrenheit temperature, really cold temperatures, with infinity, it started right up. It was, it was wonderful, you know? Thank you, Old Dirty. I appreciate that. Um, I'm going to uh, Willow Springs tomorrow. Yes, Kevin. So if you want to go, let me know, and you can come on by, and we'll have a good time. So that being said, that's extremely important. Now, here's something I got to talk to you about, and Duran is up front, and we talked about this not too long ago. Freeware. Now, especially in the Honda community, there are some freeware items out there that are not ideal. Um, one in particular is Chrome, and I've had the opportunity to tune that years ago, and I actually stopped tuning. Why? Because that system glitches a lot. So imagine me tuning a car to perfection. I have the VTEC crossover impeccable. I have a proper um, um, cutoff in terms of uh, rev limits. I tune the fuel ratios properly for both on and off throttle for partial and full. Impeccable ignition timing, even though I didn't have a knock sensor capability, which I can with the AEM, but I did what I could to be able to keep knock at bay. And then after two days, the system glitches and your tune goes away. So it happens so much that it's not worth it. Now the customer has to come back, have me redo everything on the car, they spend more money, and if they spent it once for a proper engine management solution, they wouldn't have to worry about that again. And plus I can put safety stuff in, in place as well. So that being said, it's extremely important to be able to choose the right components. Oh, the wagon, Jose says, hey, I love to see your wagon. He is right there behind us. So I'm waiting for a new rear end, uh, something experimental from Automotive KMD. And once, of that, once it's here, that red Porsche will come off the lift, and that will go on the lift, and we'll start doing a swap and going out to, um, you know, take care of it. Kevin says that Chrome is just a knockoff of Honda. It's actually worse than that. Um, the Honda platform has been stable from what I've seen, and they've continued to have great updates from time to time on the entire line. I don't see the same thing with Chrome. Chrome is just, is just not good at all, you know? So NYC said he's ran Chrome for a while, and no problems for four years. You're very fortunate. You are rare. I see more problems than not. You know, I'm an enthusiast. I love helping people go fast. I love to be able to, you know, take care of my customers and use the money and, you know, build my cars and take care of business here and keep the lights on. But I turn away business. I turn away Chrome people because it doesn't allow me to do a good job. So I really don't do it. So honestly, what is the purpose for, what is it, an H22, a K-series, a B-series, a D-series? You put all this money into a big project. Invest in a proper ECU. That's the way to go. Don't you want to cheap out on something? If you really want to cheap out on something, um, what can I even say? Cheap out on the materials that you use for the interior. Uh, cheap out on, let's say, using an aftermarket uh, visor or windshield or glass or some component that's or headlight or tell. Don't skip out on the lifeblood of your engine. Don't skip out on the brain of your engine, because I'm telling you, when you expire an engine because you're using an engine management solution that's not ideal, you will pay more to get it running again. I've had so many friends that actually just gave up, you know? Oh, very funny, Kevin. So VAFCs are like, um, how should I say it? How did I break it down? It's, um, it's a trick ECU. It's a piggyback. And what it does is, instead of giving you control of the ECU, it intercepts signals for MAP, Math, if you do have a math or you know, mass airflow sensor, um, it interferes with the TPS sensor. And the one bad thing about that is that if you interfere with those items, let's say that um, it wants to add fuel, it will send a signal simulating a higher load signal. Meaning, if you're at 
20% throttle and you want to give more fuel, it'll make the ECU think it's at 30% throttle and give you more fuel. The bad thing about that with a piggyback is the piggyback has the capability of changing fuel for you, kind of in a crude manner, but bear in mind that the factory ECU also ties an ignition table to that fuel. So every time you adjust fuel to get it to where you want to get, your ignition timing changes as well. So that correlation where it's combined together, and you may not want to decrease your ignition timing at that load by increasing fuel, and hence your power is not ideal. So that being said, a standalone is the way to go. When we were back in the day, we didn't have any, anything else to use. I get it. Hell, obviously used additional injector controllers. We did all kind of weird things, but in today's day and age, with companies like AEM and Haltech and Motec out there, why use something so crude today, you know? Um, Guy Jill is asking, is Pure available over the counter? I don't know. I do sell it um, here at my facility. I do ship worldwide. But I don't think if you go to a regular, let's say, uh, Napa, you'll see it there. I don't think they have a Napa account yet. Um, G, let me say, JVYNI says, hello, BC. So my car is lowered and I hit a deep dip in the street. Oh, no. Shortly after my car sounds loud and I feel like it performs a bit slower. So it's very possible that you did dent either your header, exhaust manifold, or your exhaust itself. Um, the fact that you felt a loss in power and your car is a little bit louder, it's very possible that you dented your, your um, uh, manifold, which helps with scavenging and it helps with that scavenging, creating a cleaner mixture during overlap, and hence, in a nutshell, makes more power. So you need to definitely, who said missing link? Shame on you, Kevin. Um, you definitely need to take it to a reputable facility to have that repaired. Um, for those of you who don't know what a missing link is, it is actually a very elegant spacer that exists between the map sensor and the manifold, and it simulates a different, in other words, it allows you to mimic a higher potential map sensor with a factory one. Pretty crude, you know. Um, Relentless Reset, what does it take to put an Infiniti on an AP2 driver wire? What happens to the returnless fuel system? Well, that's a great question. Nothing whatsoever. Um, if you were to put an Infiniti, there's a jumper harness that exists that allows you, and good, good for us, this Infiniti, this single unit, allows you to control one, Yes, one drive-by-wire application. So you'll be able to calibrate it. Um, the returnless system is independent, doesn't matter. Bear in mind that the, all the ECU does is control fuel in terms of the fueling side. So if you're able to have a system or setup that is, how should I say, um, that supports the power of the fuel system, you'll be fine. Just to give an example, um, there is a yellow um, S2K which makes a close to 700 crank with a returnless system, and it runs on AM Infinity. And he is boosted with E85. So that being said, it can happen. <laughs> Bortic FM, you guys are too much, you know. Island Stowe says, do you do any LSGM stuff? Yes, I've had quite a few um, LSs come here to tune on this as well. So we do that. If you need access to pistons and rods, I have connections with many good companies that can help with that as well. We can design something that can fit your budget and needs as well. Bring it back old school. Yes, you are, Kevin. And <laughs> yes, I have. Thank you, Kevin. Says I've tuned quite a few sign rows with LS Motors. Yes, I have. So thank you so much. I think I missed a very good question here. Um, let's see here. Um, would I get into the M54 community? I love BMWs. I'm getting so much requests for that. I'm actually undergoing a training latter part of August. I'm out of state. I may have to even leave the country. But when I come back, I will be equipped with not only the components and need but also the ability to tune BMWs. How about a twin turbo 911-993? Can be done. So as I mentioned on the post that talked about this today, 
you can see a very nice Porsche on there. And if this gives you a constellation, I'm using a 964993 engine in a project that will be launched at SEMA this year. So that'd be pretty exciting, you know, exciting indeed. Do I do any Subaru EJ25 builds as boosted Pinoy? I haven't built any Subarus myself. I've had the capability of tuning Subarus. I've had the opportunity to sell tons of products, pistons, rods, um, ARP studs. We have quite a few components that I can provide you, even intake heat treating gaskets I put up a couple of days ago. But I don't have one myself. Um, I don't have a Subi myself. I love flat four engines. I love even the H6s that come from Subarus that, are, that were in the, um, um, what was that? The Subaru SVJ, oh, what's the name? Anyway, oh, SVR, SVRV. Anyway, it's the cool Subaru coupe that has this half window. I love that flat six. It looks so much like the Porsche stuff I play around with. But long story short, um, the only time I build cars where you'll see like Hondas here or Acuras, or you'll see um, you know, anything from Hyundai or Ford is because we have a relationship with the manufacturers. That's why. Inked 776 Fabian, good seeing you, sir. How are you? I'll be seeing you in a few moments. Hello, Fox Design, my good supporter. Appreciate that. How much boost does the wagon pull? Asked Dairy Dads. And I'll tell you what this pulls now, how it's set up now. First gear, 13 PSI. Second gear was 22, but I brought it down to 18 to help with traction. Didn't help that much. Third, fourth, and fifth gear is all at 33 PSI. So it makes 772 at 33 PSI. The potential where I run out of fuel in my current system would probably be about 41. And at 41, she should hover closer to the 900 range, which would be ideal, you know? What happened to my ProStock Honda, says GNG Racing? It's right there. I'm going to turn this around. Um, and sorry about you guys on YouTube. You can't see this, but um, you see right there? That is the Pro Stock Honda sitting right there. And it's going to get ready very soon to explore a rebirth. So our friend from um, Hoonigan are coming by to document me rebuilding this again. I have the block from Golden Eagle. The crank is getting made by Eagle. I have my aluminum rods. I have my Tron pistons on the way. And I'm thinking about doing a YouTube video of me building that engine. That'd be pretty cool. So I'll see what the guys from uh, uh, Hoonigan think in me doing that, you know? You have a B-Series Pro Stock CR. You need to bring that thing out. The fastest B-Series that we saw, um, NA, was uh, Leslie Durst. And she ran 9.7 NA years ago before she switched over to Scion and went with a 2ZZ engine, which she got down to 9.30, which I don't think many people remember, you know? Um, still waiting. I know, Kevin, I'm waiting for pistons. Unfortunately, I can't build a block without pistons, you know? How does Boost by Gear really work? NOI Boosted, that's a great question. So let me share with you the protocol that I used to do Boost per Gear. So let's say I have a car that comes in, Boosted car, and has AM Infinity. I would typically disable all boost control whatsoever, tune all the partial and full throttle. Forgive me, I've had all kind of bunch of rubbish on me from cutting up that grill to get it to fit that, that van. So let's say that you, I'm tuning the car on the dyno and then I'm making sure all the fuel is ideal and the ignition timing is good and any VTEC crossovers, if it has that, or cam control is optimized. I would then see what the wastegate is. Let's say it's a 10 pound spring. 10 pound spring with a very efficient system can give me a multiplier of two to three. So I may be able to get up to 20 or even 30 PSI max with that, depending on the setup and the efficiency of the wastegate. So, I know that 10 PSI is my threshold. Then what I do after I optimize and make sure that that, torque curve, that boost curve is flat, I then add 10% duty to the electronic boost control solenoid that's in the system. 
and dial to turn the boost control solenoid is typically wired in. One side is a 12 volt switch, other side is a ground, and one is a, I would say, I would say ground, but remember a pulse ground. So there's two wires, 12 volt switch, and a pulse ground that comes to the ECU where it pulses to open it. So when it's completely deactivated, it's normally open. I run the boost 10 psi, add duty 10%, boost goes up, let's say it goes to 12. Okay, good. Now I know that 2 psi is now realized by 10%. I go to 20. Oh, now I'm at 14 psi. Awesome. I go to 30. Oh, I'm at, wow, 16 psi. So I'm getting somewhere. And I keep going up and defining each, defining my table based upon each boost that I get with each increase about 10 to 15% of duty. Then after that's done, I now know that for 10 duty, 20 duty, 30 duty, 40 duty, how much boost I get. Then I have another table, and I can do this with Hondata, I can do it with, it with the AM Infinity, I can do it with Haltech. I now have the ability to assign each duty to each gear. So one thing I have to do in addition, Hondata sometimes has, for the very popular cars, the tables already set up for, because it's a Honda for boost, but since Infinity is a very universal setup, um, I use a very simple mathematical formula of RPM versus vehicle speed to determine what gear I'm in. If it's a sequential and there's an input into the ECU that allows me to know what gear it is based upon resistance, I can then also plug that in. So I pretty much mimic on the dyno each gear and then put in the gear ratio multiplier that exists for each gear. And then now the ECU know when you're in first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, neutral, reverse, whatever the case may be. Then I assign duty for each of those gears. So when you're in first gear, you're, let's say, 10 PSI wastegate. Second gear, ooh, let's bump it up, 12 PSI. Third gear, I now have that duty assigned for 14 PSI and 15 and so on and so forth. So that's how I'm able to do that. So I'm so sorry that it was long, but I want to be thorough in explaining what's going on. Hello, NSX Michael, good seeing you. Hope you're boosted. NSX Retune is still going very well. Um, any input or knowledge on relays, when they should be used, or when you really don't need to use them? So here is a, that's a great question. When I use relays, and I have plenty of them in here, is whenever I have a very high load appliance on my car where the standard wire does not have the capability of handling that. A very popular one is the fan system. So fans can, can pull a lot of current or amperage from an electrical system. If you use regular thin wires that people tend to use to wire up cars, you can do one of two things. You can burn your car down because the wires get so hot, you just can't handle that current. And or you can have capabilities where you start burning fuses out, which is not good. It's just too much demand. So what you tend to do is you have a relay, which is more like a, um, let's say it's like two people. Let's say I am a relay and you are at a light switch at the very end of the door, okay? And then I control a big breaker. When that light, you want it to get turned on, you can have the guy far away who is, like say you, turn on that light and then I control the breaker as a relay. So what that does is, the demand is there to turn me on, but I am strong enough to hit this relay. If I have you just hit the relay, you may get burnt out or hurt your arm or whatever the case may be. Very, very crude analogy, but that's when you typically use it. That's when I use it. Um, I do it on fans, I do it on fuel pumps, anything that has a decent amperage draw. Now, when do I not use relays? Well, if I'm gonna do a switch ground, let's say I'm just gonna activate a, 
uh, input on my infinity, let's say for a high-low boost, I won't relay that. It's a very low input, very low demand from the ECU just to see a ground, and I'll do that. Um, if it's something like a very small dome light, which doesn't have much of any amperage draw, I won't put a relay on a dome light. So I hope that helps. My pleasure indeed, sir. Am I planning on making more post chambers for the 987 um, red Porsche is asking, yes, I have them in stock now. Um, had 40 as of this morning, and now we have 30 left. So if you're interested, please go on the website, bcmr.com, and order away, and we can ship it today, maybe tomorrow. We have quite a few orders going out, but thank you so much for asking. Um, putting F22 head on a F22 block for boost. David, we have parts galore for you. One thing you have to bear in mind is, when you have higher RPM, and many times you have to do that with F22A, something interesting happens on the exhaust rockers. Um, if you look at the rocker assembly on the F22A, there are springs that separate, very low tension springs, that separate the rockers from each cylinder. Um, when you hit a high RPM, because of just the sheer weight of those rockers, they tend to jump off the valve, so that can be quite damaging. It will definitely um, disengage your keepers from the retainer and spit out the valve. So what we do, we have a very cost-effective solution, like a couple hundred bucks, where we manufacture these spacers that allow you to prevent that from happening. They're low-tension spacers, so you don't have to worry about losing any efficiency by rubbing, and they are very long-lasting as well, something you can drive daily if you wanted to. So by all means, do that. Disco Moose asking, any parts for the GK5? Oh, I love the GK5. So the, for those of you who are not familiar with Honda nomenclature, that is the Honda Fit, the current generation. And I think that started in 2015. And yes, we have tons of parts for the GK Fit. We have, if you remember from on SEMA, how can I take my watch off? I have all this rubbish on my hands when, when cutting the dash. Anyway, if you remember from SEMA 2015, for American Honda, we built a GK Fit or two. One was a mild kind of road race application, which had suspension, wheels from Buddy Club, tires from Toyo, really, really cool stuff, and a little shifter, and it's just very elegant, very fast. And then we built a crazy wild one, which is a 400 horsepower boosted one, all piece of motor blue. So because of those two projects, yes, we have access to suspension, we have access to wheels, tires, but in the engine, um, we have pistons, rods, camshaft profiles, valve train, um, engine management solutions, if you're so deemed ideal. And then um, I sold a few pulse chambers for the Fit, but discontinued it because it wasn't a hot seller. But like, I guess now that the cars are off warranty, people kind of want them. So if it's something I need to bring back, let me know, and I'd be more than happy to bring it back into the market. But I need at least serious interest from at least 10 people before I can just dig up my records and get the design out and make some more. Uh, Oh, the CRV is leaving tomorrow. Awesome. That would be a cool project, Zach. I look forward to you having a lot of fun with that, you know. Benjamin is asking, K20 or Beams 3SGE? For the potential and the price, K20. You can't go wrong with that, you know. My view on the B18. Legacy, I'll be more than happy to share that. The B18, for those of you who are not Honda heads, is a Honda B-Series engine from the B-Series family of engines. It came in the Integra, um, came in the Del Sol SI, um, very popular overseas, and something that was a very popular swap here in the U.S., so popular that it's considered the small block Chevy on the Honda world. Tons of potential, aftermarket support is second to none. The K-Series is starting to get a lot of support from the aftermarket community, but you cannot beat the kind of support that comes from the, 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 the B. It's just ridiculous. Records continue to be held in road race and drag race applications with the B-Series. It is a workhorse, so I think it has tons of potential. 
Now, when it comes to horsepower per liter, or even miles per mile when it comes to budgets, there are better options out there, namely the K-Series. I use the K in my own wagon, and I love how much power you can make. Um, it's very difficult to make 400 wheel reliably with a B-Series stock, but you can do that all day with a K-Series. It's, it's just a really great workhorse, and the head flows much better. But the B-Series is truly the cornerstone to Honda performance and has more aftermarket support than any other Honda engine out there to date. You know? I would like your input on the fit. I'm looking to close the same you did to your 20 boosted one. Well, you know what? You are so fortunate nowadays because that was a car that we built for American Honda, the 2015 GK Fit, when there was no aftermarket support. So we had to create our own products. And at the time, nowadays, we have support from K-Tuner where they have flashes for that, which is extremely reliable and very useful. So you can have a lot of fun with that. But then we didn't. So I had to retrofit a port injection manifold to Gonigo into that engine and eliminate the direct injection, which I didn't like to do, but I had to because I wanted to make that 400 horsepower mark and we had no aftermarket support in terms of tuning. So I had to put Infinity on it and have a lot of fun. So that being said, that's that. Genesis Coupe is asking, what happened to the Genesis Coupe? Many of you may not know this, but we have a great relationship with Hyundai and we built the most powerful Hyundais on the planet. I don't know if Sam is here, but he, he was a very, very instrumental fabricator to our most recent Hyundai project. But prior to me interacting with Sam, we built this ridiculous blue Genesis. And if you have a chance, go on the BC Motor YouTube feed, look up BC Motor Genesis, and you'll see this thing, the most powerful Hyundai period to ever exist, doing 178 miles per hour on a half mile, which is amazing. And was, and still is, the fastest Hyundai to ever go, ever. And the most powerful one as well. So it's a real drive, beautiful car. Um, the BK, which is that chassis designation from, from uh, Hyundai, got discontinued. So unfortunately, we had to stop promoting it. Um, I pulled the engine and gearbox out, which I love, and it's still back there somewhere. And the chassis, I had a customer that made me an offer that I couldn't refuse, so it's on its merry way. Hey, DA Motorsports. Yes, yeah, so for those of you who know DA Motorsports, he's a very good friend of mine, Robert, and he went with me to Arizona, and he drove it too. His first drive with the, now Genesis is cool, right? It's so great, we go to this event in Arizona uh, at uh, Gila Bend, or Gila Bend, however you say it. There's this airstrip, and I have my Visa Motor trailer, and we pull out the trailer, and people are laughing at me. I mean, Robert was there, they're laughing at us as we pull out this Hyundai out of it. And they're like, ah, ha, ha, look at this thing, what's this going to do? And I did my first pass, and then people, people didn't want to race us. The people were getting out of line. The first drive, I think it did 168, because I was trying to get used to it. And then I, as I kept practicing, I got more confident, and it got to 178. But what was scary about that, that car is it needed arrow badly. If you remember this, Robert, it needed arrow. Because once you got to about 170, you feel the tail end moving. You feel the tail end coming. And then right when it starts to get violent, it's the end of the track. You're like, oh my god. So any more distance, that thing probably would have lost control. Because it just it had no way. It just had a slight carbon fiber ducktail. It was nothing aggressive at all. Um, I remember we went so fast, we used to blow out the... Um, the fender, the fender covers inside would just blow out. It was crazy. <laughs> so that car is fun. The pump was loud. By all means, go on YouTube, on the Beast Motor YouTube feed. Look for the Beast Motor Genesis. And you, the pump is loud. It was fun. It was just a great, it was an awesome car. But um, like most manufacturers, they don't want us promoting old models. I'm lucky to even still promote the Odyssey, even though it has a replacement model already. But it was, it was fun. And DA Motorsports, being my good friend Robert, he... He went as fast as 176. His first pass, he's like, man, this is kind of weird going that fast in, a, in this car. 
But he, 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 he had made it happen. He had a good time. We had a good time, you know? Uh, move to the right. My right or your right? You want me to move this way? Do you want me to move that way? Do you want me to move the camera this way? It's a forklift and a Porsche. There's another Porsche right here, which is going to the paint shop. Um, let me know what you need. Yeah, the front badge. That's true. We lost the front badge. I think went, went off the car. I forgot about that. That's very true. So much speed that the front badge took flight. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, do a walk around update on the wagon. Um, sure. Now, I have two cameras here. What I'll do is when I leave, I'll come back and I'll do a quick walk around and show you guys that. So I'll go out and come back in. I think that'd be good. Hello, Tom Biz. Good seeing you. Last time I saw you was at the Porsche event. Jamal Build Cars. Good seeing you. Just, uh, you know, having a good time talking with all of you, my friends, and talked about tuning, how important it is to choose the right components and not to skimp out. I get it. People love to show wheels and then get the most expensive wheels they can find. People love going, going crazy with paint job. They'll tuck the engine bay and use chrome and powder coat and, 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 and just beautiful braided holes. But then they use the cheapest, most freeware ECUs. I don't get it. When the ECU, the ECU system, this is my end of choice, this is the most important thing in your build, and you should not skimp out on this. Um, and for those of you who may think AM may, oh, you're saying that because AM gives this for free. They don't. I pay for each and every one of these ECUs. Um, I swear to you, I swear my parents, I don't get it for free. I buy these. That's how much I value them, you know? Uh, oh, thank you, Legacy. I, I look forward to meeting you as well. SB Machine Shop. Good afternoon, sir. I need to come and see you very soon. We need to plan a date to do this cool Tech Tuesday at your shop. And for those of you who don't know SB Machine, they did all the uh, head work on this, which is really great. And so far, I've been great, you know? Want to see a video from you racing tomorrow? So AJ, um, I'll call you later on and let you know what's going on. But um, I'll tell you, you understand why. I don't, I don't think they'll let me release it. I think the people filming want to release it first. But I'll get plenty of content. I'll call you and let you know. Um, ITB Kevin said, yep, they're not cheap. And you're right. You know my saying, ITB Kevin. Three things when it comes to performance. Cheap, reliable, fast. Thank you, that boy tweak. I appreciate the kind words. I'm a savage. Peace and love to you as well, DJJ. Cheap, reliable, and fast. You can only choose two. You can be cheap and reliable, and it won't be fast. You can be cheap and fast, and it will blow. It won't be reliable. Or you can be fast and reliable which is what I love, but it won't be the cheapest way to go. But in the net-net, when you think about amortizing it over time, it does become pretty cost-effective. You heard the saying, penny-wise, pound-foolish? You can try and save a penny today, and you blow it up, and you end up spending more. You know how I talk a lot about, um, I talk a lot about Vitara pistons and what people do with that, but when those cheap Vitara pistons go out, it takes out the turbo, the head, the block. You now end up spending more when you could avoid all that by getting a set of forged pistons. We have forged pistons all day here. They're like 450 bucks, sometimes 500 bucks for pistons, rings, pins, locks. It's cost effective. That's cheap. 500 bucks, what? Other people sell pistons for seven, 800 bucks. Forged proper pistons, and I have it on great sales. Just take advantage of it, you know? Good morning, NJ Obiala. Good seeing you. Florida's in the house. Good seeing you, Chiz, 9801. Um, yeah, it does, MJ, photograph my neighbor. It is. Yes, this is an AIM Infinity. This is known as the 506 box. Also, the 508 has the same 
uh, architecture. And on the 508 and 506 differences, the 506 allows you to have six injector controllers. 508 has eight. So if you had something that's like a V8 and you want a small box and you don't need that many inputs and outputs, it's ideal. If you also have a inline four cylinder with um, eight injectors, we have state injection, like what I have on my pro stock vehicle. Um, this is a good one as well. And this is the most cost effective one. These retail for about 1300, uh, but it has also a built-in wide band controller, so you don't have to do that separately. And it's a worthwhile investment. And sometimes we bundle it with other things for our customers. We bundle it with tuning, bundle it with harnesses. We can do some really cool things to save you money, you know? That's very true. DJ says, yeah, never go the cheap way. You will end up spending more money in the long run. That's right. As I mentioned, as you amortize it, things get really, really bad. Um, Son of Pain, your lengthy questions, no problem whatsoever. I don't think I saw it, you know? Um, let's see. Oh, dark wave rate is, could you ask me how to calculate turbine housing AR ratio with a rectangular inlet? So it's cross-sectional area. So an AR ratio is literally the volute area versus the inlet area. And that size ratio, if you divide the larger by the smaller, that AR you get, is that, that's the number. Um, so that being said, when you have a 0.96 AR versus a 0.63, that means the volute overall in terms of ratio is much larger. So you tend to go with smaller numerical ARs if you want a faster spool, but it can also limit your high horsepower potential. Or vice versa, if you don't care about low RPM uh, spool and you really focus on high RPM power to allow the exhaust to, to breathe, you go with a larger AR. It's just a cross-sectional area of the volute, and I wish I had a turbo to show you. The entrance cross-sectional area versus the smallest volute area, that, is, that ratio is AR, you know? Uncle, hello, Arias, good seeing you. I was just talking about pistons. Um, NJ, this shirt, um, bcmo.com, I only have larges left. Um, if you need an extra large, let me know. Uh, you can call it in, but I only have larges left now. Um, it's a limited run, and I think, honestly, I may have maybe four left, and that's it. But you can get on the website or call it in. We have that, you know? Relentless Racing says, don't go cheap. Uh, do it right. Uh, and you're absolutely correct. Uh, okay. Uh, yes, so let's see here. Oh, I'm sorry. Niels, GSO is asking, um, what's the advantage of a thicker one? So a wrist pin is what he's talking about. A wrist pin ideally is just really, as it implies, a wrist pin, a pin that goes on the wrist area of the rod, small end, and also the piston. Now, many times when you have a high horsepower application, you can literally bend those pins. And of course, you want to use a really light pin because that light pin allows you for better revit capability. Um, whenever you have weights that are away from center line that are very, very high, it can actually hurt reliability a little bit and RPM reliability as well as you buzz it pretty high. So you want to be able to use the lightest wrist pin you can without deflection. So that being said, um, I use a very small wrist pin. I use a 708 pin on a lot of my applications. And I use a pretty decent thickness only because on my NA applications, I am pushing quite a bit of pressure. And I run pretty high static compressions in the 16 to 17 range. So that being said, the one thing you have to keep in mind is you need a heavier duty pin or a thicker pin to prevent deflection, which can lead to catastrophic failure in your engine. If you're in doubt ever of what size pin you should use, by all means, explore doing something with the manufacturer. Or if you're buying it from us, we can point in that direction depending on what you want to do. Gabriel D'Angela from Italy. Good seeing you as well. Thank you so much. 
Um, when am I coming back to Arizona? I said, oh, dirty EJ1, my son wants signatures on his Hot Wheels. You know what? That's a great question. I was just talking to Tony from Omega Motorsport. He puts together no-fly zone events that Robert and I went to with the Genesis. And I may go to Arizona very soon for his next event. So I'm thinking about taking the NSXs out to do some half-mile runs. Um, I may take the Viper that I'm sitting right next to here. Um, the wagon, now, how many of you would love to see that wagon do a half-mile? <laughs> That'd be awesome, right? So I'd love to change the gear in the gearbox. Um, right now, I have a pretty numerically high final drive in that. I have like a 4.7, and I've written the Quave. I'm trying to get the 3.8 final drive, and I'd love to see what this does half mile. That'd be so cool. Um, imagine me just pulling out the wagon at the trailer in Arizona, and then I'm lining up with all these Lambos and Ferraris and, and Bugattis and Bentleys. How cool would that be? And then I, I'll really put those turbo fans to, to, to test. That would be so good. I see how it holds up at high speed. I may also want to go to, with a larger circumference tire, you know? Um, Pikes Peak, half mile, man. Oh, man. I don't know how the wagon will fare on Pikes Peak. That would be pretty cool. That place is scary. Even when the van with the Pikes Peak, I, didn't drive, I don't know how people drive there. That thing is frightening. And you know what's crazy about Pikes Peak? You look at the videos inside the, um, how should I say, uh, Halfway, there's like a, a little store where you can buy memorabilia. And the videos in that store is like people crashing down a mountain. I'm like, okay, this doesn't invoke confidence in me. I don't like that at all. <laughs> oh my God. I like to see it do an eighth mile. You want to see, oh my God. Son of pain, I'm so sorry. But um, as Kevin, ITB Kevin is here, we've been testing eighth mile almost every week. And we would go last week if it wasn't for the fact that my parts didn't come in. And hopefully we can go this week as well. That'd be great. Um, Dealing, we're gonna test it, see what it does. Um, and you know, half mile is pretty aggressive. Let's put it to test. If it works well, great. If it doesn't, we learn from it. But if it does work well, imagine what that can do. I wanna try it out. And some arrow stuff, you're right. Oh man. So you know, Robert, we have to get data. So we have to run the wagon like that and see what happens and then have the capability of doing that. No, Kevin, um, the diff hasn't come in yet. I think it's on its way or should be here today. I hope so. Because if it doesn't come today, then we have the holiday on Thursday. That'll be kind of sad. And I'm racing tomorrow. So I won't be able to install it tomorrow. Anyway, we'll see what happens. Hello, Abu Ali. One, two, three. Good seeing you. More Porsche, says CG721. Your wish is my command. I will do more Porsche stuff. You'd be pleased to know there's a pretty cool Porsche right here. I'm gonna try and switch this, and guys on YouTube, you can see this. But I'm gonna switch this right here. There's a pretty awesome K2 right there, 935K2, that we're gonna do some wonderful stuff back here, which is pretty nice. So I will have that really done very nice, and you can get so much content, Porsche content coming soon, which is pretty cool. And if you look on top of that mezzanine, lots of Porsche parts. You see wings and doors and hoods and all that stuff, you know? I know, Kevin, you're gonna make it happen in 20 minutes. I know, I need to be here, but uh, that'd be good. What's the wagon suspension setup, he asks. Um, I have KWV3 coilovers on this. Um, and that's what I use primarily for my suspension. Uh, it is devoid of a rear sway, but I do have a factory front sway, which is nice, you know. How oh, hell are we not talking about the K2? Ha <laughs> ha We can talk about it. We could by all means talk about it my good friend, uh, ask questions, I'll be more than happy to answer. But this is not the one that I talked to you about. That one is still in paint. It should be out new soon, you know? What's the max timing for D16, Z6, 20 PSI, 50 trim, 9.0 compression? 
That is a very broad question, but I can help you narrow it down. If you're on 91 octane at 20 PSI, I rarely, rarely, rarely have to go above 10 degrees before top of seven. Because the D-series is a very efficient combustion chamber, especially the Z6. It has a small bore, which doesn't need that much more flame propagation or advanced timing to get the burn cleanly. If you put too much timing in, you may have the capability where you start detonating. Um, when you start getting towards the 30, 40 PSI range, um, those start going very quickly to single digit. I've done negative two on a D-series in high boost. But if you're in the 20 range, um, I really have to go higher than 10, maybe 12, barely, and this is on 91. If you're on 85, you maybe get away with a little bit more. The one way to know for sure, thank you, Roblin, um, it is a beautiful portion indeed. The one way to know for sure is to put a knock sensor and monitor it accordingly. Living uh, <laughs> life. Thank you so much, guys. So what I'll do, I promise. Okay, on my next Tech Tuesday here, I'll sit in front of the K2. Um, if anything, why don't we switch? We have a few more um, minutes, so why don't we just switch perspectives here? Let's do this. I'll turn this around. I'm gonna grab this camera. <laughs> Turn this around, okay? Okay, we just might come in and do that. Let me move this over here a little bit more. There we go. How's that, guys? So now, <laughs> I'm in front of the K2, or you're facing the K2, I should say. As we have a couple more minutes to do some stuff, you know? Do I make J37 internal parts? Yes. So we have access to rods, we have access to sleeving services, and tons of pistons. Also, camshafts. Um, our J-series camshafts are extremely popular, by all means, you know? Um, love how you're watching from the UK. Oh, look, watching from the UK. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much. I appreciate the kind words, you know? Um, do you recommend turbo boost by gear or by toggle switch on a front-wheel drive, road drive? What Honda engine would you recommend for swapping into a last-gen Honda Prelude for reliability and feature parts availability? Great question, sir. No matter whether it's front-wheel drive, like my Insight or the Odyssey that I just turned away from, whether it's all-wheel drive like the wagon that's over here, or whether it's rear-wheel drive like this Porsche, all boost per gear. It's a very elegant way of doing, how should I say, traction control to some extent. So it helps. Now, if you have immaculate adhesion, that it may not be a challenge. You can throw all the boosts you want at it every year, but it's a one way of using technology to our advantage to be able to create an environment that's very user-friendly for driving, you know? Watching from Latvia, Latvia, thank you so much for joining us all the way from overseas, across the pond, appreciate that. Jamaica's in the house, says Grummy D, good seeing you. Do I read the H22 Honda for turbocharging? Yes, it's a, good, it's a good application. The one thing I don't like about H22s is the, the valve angles. They don't lend themselves very well to high performance or aggressive camshafts. So that being said, it's not my best choice. If you have the capability of running something really elegant with a lot of support and does very well in terms of high horsepower output, a K-series would be the way to go, you know? B18 will boost an all-motor K20 swap for a reliable Integra, but with good power. Well, that being said, you want to boost the B18. You can have a lot more power per dollar with the B18. And with the K20 NA, you can have fun, but you can push a K20 and try to make it as reliable as possible, and you may hover, you know, in the mid-200s. Can be fun, but if you want the ultimate horsepower per liter, boosting is the way to go. 
What supercharger would you recommend on a J37? There's one we just did. Oh my, um, Gary Bear. He does something very, very nice, which is like a Rotrex supercharger. And his system is very nice. We've had stock J20, J32s come here making mid-fours. So it's, it's a good way to go. It's a good way to go. Have a good day as well, DA Motorsports. And that's actually my good segue here. Um, Shimei, good seeing you. And guys, I have to depart. The time is almost up. I'm getting this red sign here that I've been here for almost an hour. So that being said, guys, thank you so much um, for joining me this afternoon on another wonderful edition of Tech Tuesday. The interaction was marvelous. I really love you guys so much. Your feedback is always important to me, and we have way more content and great things to come. Once again, advice when it comes to engine management, always choose the right components. Make sure you tune properly. If you need a shirt, they're available online. Pure is a good lifeblood of the engine. We love cars whether it's Porsche, Dodge, Honda, Nissan, Toyota. We love them all. Take it easy as well on the race. Good seeing you, and cheers. Bye-bye.